Pastor Chris Ball is here. He's, um, he's a church planter and, and carved out a life-giving church up in Butler, South Butler, New York. And I was up that way on Monday to Sodus Bay, just trying to find some rest up there. And um, so he's, he's from a, a place just like us, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And he carved out a church and all kinds of people, hundreds of people came and found life in Jesus. And we're so grateful for that. And out of that, he was tapped to become the president of Elam, which is a, a fellowship of ministers. He's a good pastor, and what he, was, what he does is he pastors the pastors. I'm part of that organization, and he calls and called during the COVID time. How are you? What's happening? How can we help you in any way? Just tremendous pastor. His wife, Carol, is here. She's just a prophetic voice, ministers to a lot of ladies, and uh, we're just glad you're here. Why don't you come up and share with us whatever's in your heart? Take your time. Amen. I'm going to ask my wife to come and just greet you uh, before I begin to uh, share. Uh, we work together every week. We, um, let me just tell you, we have three children, uh, Josiah, uh, Elijah, and Sarah. Our daughter is the oldest. All three of them are in full-time ministry right now. And uh, they're all working today in churches with the exception of Elijah. Elijah was uh, put into the hospital this past Friday uh, to have his colon removed, and uh, he's had ulcerative colitis for three and a half years, and so he's doing very well. We just talked to him a few minutes ago uh, during worship, you know, texting and all that, you know, and, uh, but I just want to uh, say how much uh, I really appreciate being here. I want my wife to greet you this morning, and if she has a word, I'd love for her to share, and uh, she she's a minister in her own right. Uh, every single Sunday before uh, the pause, if you will. Uh, we're in churches all over America and different places. And so, uh, Carol? Hey, good morning, everyone. Good to be here. It's first time, and it's a wonderful time. And I just really appreciated being with you all this morning. And I love that you did baptisms. I love baptisms, and they always make me cry. And baptisms and sometimes weddings. But I think it's because, as someone shared, one of your leaders was sharing that uh, God does something, you know. Uh, God does something in those things. And it was very uh, anointed, a very much of a presence this morning and that so exciting and um the uh and uh, just uh, a wonderful atmosphere in worship just wonderful to be here and loving it and hi Keturah and <laughs> and um yeah, I love, I love this place. I guess I didn't make the connection. We were in the class. Of the, this is your church. This is great. This is wonderful. And a um, couple things, something that's really impressed on my heart that I, that I share. I loved the word you gave, that prophetic word. And, and, and God says, it might feel like I'm leading you in the wilderness because I am. And sometimes that happens and it feels like he takes us to a place. I also felt this with that. I was feeling that... Um, that uh, the Lord says, but take courage because he makes rivers flow in the desert places. And so be of good courage if you're feeling that way, because even he is the wellspring in the, in the, in, even as he leads you through the wilderness, that there will be a place of rest. There will be an oasis and there will be a place where he replenishes you and he sustains you. Amen. And then you sang that song. This is a blessing. So that's wonderful because God is so, God is so good. And I wanted to, What's your name? Austin. Um, did you write any of those songs? 
You did not. Okay. There was one in particular I thought, I wondered if, I wondered if it was an original song, the one that let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I had never heard it. That doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, but I'm just, <laughs> sometimes. Um, but, uh, well, I just saw Psalmist over you, and I don't know if you ever considered writing songs, but I just feel that the Lord's going to really begin to birth spirit, birth songs from within you. So just be open to him to really give you and download um, musical and psalms and into you for for his people and for for you uh you're a worshiper and you love the lord and for and to give and to use in his body and to bless people amen is the young man in here that was doing the box oh there you are oh my goodness right in front of the front row what's your name jared, jared. uh i really uh sense that the lord said that uh he has put big dreams in your heart, and he's put big, um, big hope and big vision in your heart. And sometimes you feel like, well, maybe it's not, maybe that's too big, or maybe it's not for me, uh, and maybe I shouldn't pursue that because this over here seems like a sure thing, and a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And God says He's got more than two. He's, he's got more than two in the bush. He's got a multitude for you, and uh, to to lean on Him because He can do more than you can imagine or think, and to not. Uh, compromise what his big picture and his vision and dream is for you for this over here because this pales in comparison to what he has and he is going to provide everything you need to make that dream come true in your life because it's his dream that he has put in your heart and he is going to use you in a mighty and powerful way in his kingdom so be open to what he has shown you because he's going to make a way where there seems to be no way he's going to make a way so that dream that's in your heart that vision that you have thought man I would, this would be so great if I could do this. This would be so awesome if I could do this. That's from God, and he's going to bring it to pass. So step into the step-by-step -step plans that he has for you, and he will lead you and guide you all the way. Amen? Amen. So anyway, those are just some things that were impressed on my heart that I just needed to, needed to share um, with you this morning. You know, sometimes God uh, just gives a, gives, a word, gives something to me, and God was working something in me uh, this morning just to really quickly share and, um, uh, with you, and hopefully it's such an atmosphere here for a word like this. I'm really, I'm encouraged by this word, and I really uh, hope you're encouraged it's for an encouragement for you this morning. And um, I, I've been, uh, a few weeks ago, I was ministering to a young woman, and I was uh, doing personal ministry and giving her a prophetic word, and this word, part of the word that came, rose up uh, from the Holy Spirit was for her was, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you, but sometimes after you give a word, this, uh, you know, something went off in me about that, and I was like, arise, shine, and, you know, it's a word that you know, since I, be, since I came to know the Lord, it was like, I love to arise and shine and give God. So I, mean, I love that word, but something for, something now for this time, it, it just, I went, arise and shine for your light has come. And I just felt like it was a now word for right now for his people. And I felt God really impressed me to just give that to you this morning for you. Arise. It's a time to rise up and, and shine with the light of God for all of us. Now, I mean, the word it's in Isaiah 60, uh, chapter 60, verse 1, and it's talking about, you know, the, the, the God's people, his glory, and he's going to come, and his glory is going to come on the earth, and people are, the Gentiles are going to come. But for now, for today, I, the Lord is just saying it for his people, for us to rise up and let his light shine. And it really, um, 
It really uh, uh, connected me with 1 Peter in chapter 2, where it says, For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that we should show forth his praises and his glory. And that just makes me think of letting his light shine that he's given us. Amen? That he's, he's brought us into his light. It says, for he has, he has brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So I'm connecting it this morning for, for us with uh, arise and shine, for his light has come. He's going to draw people that don't know him. He, in these days, he's going to draw people to you individually. It's for each of us individually that, God, what are you causing me to rise up from? Because I've been, you know, sitting in my home, I've been doing this, but God's calling each of us in these days to rise up, that he will come upon us and his light will shine, and we're going to go forth praising him, and his light's going to shine and, and knock down obstacles and draw people to us. And it says in Second in First Peter chapter 2 that, that people will glorify our Father in heaven because of our good works. And that's not just our, you know, serving or, you know, doing a, a natural service to him, although that's not a bad thing to do, but I believe the good works are the, the, the works of the Holy Spirit, and that, that, that signs and wonders will follow us, and people are going to glorify our Father in heaven because they're going to come to light and see the light. Now, here's the last thing I want to say, Acts chapter 4, verse 6, that, that the disciples were going by the gate beautiful, and uh, I got this word during this week, <laughs> and uh, that the disciples were going by the gate beautiful. And this is how we need to arise. Arise means you're doing something. I'm rising up. I'm coming out of whatever place I was in to think I can't do that or I'm not able to do that or I'm just, life is overpowering me. Life is too much. I appreciate the song because I'll sing a song of joy though my heart is heavy and stuff's going on in our life. But you know what? It's time to rise Arise, shine, for his light has come. And Peter and them were going by the gate beautiful, and he reached out to the paralytic man, and he said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you. And what spoke to me was, even today with all the chaos and all the stuff, you know, that's going on, the COVID, the, everything that's going on in our culture, you know, we don't have the answers. But it's, what's encouraging to me is we don't have to have all the answers. I don't have the answers, you know what? But what I have, I'm going to give you. For some people, in like that for, that, for that beggar, he thought his answer was silver and gold, but it wasn't. And, you know, everyone's looking for answers. We don't have to have an answer, but we have the answer. We don't, I don't have that answer, but what I have, I'm going to give you. And, and we can call people up into that light, into that wonderful light, redeeming light that we have, and what we have, we can give them. So it's an encouraging time for the opportunity in these days, because people are looking for an answer, but they need to know that there is the answer. Amen? And we have that to rise and shine. We have that hope. So I'm excited about these days and the opportunity that's out there for all of us, for all of God's people, to rise and shine for our light has come, and to give God the glory. Amen? Amen. So, and my husband has an awesome word. He's going to come and share with you. Amen. Thanks. I've um, known your pastor, uh, Penn, uh, for many years at a distance. In fact, uh, um, as he mentioned already in introducing us, uh, that, um, you know, I pastored a church 
population of the town where Carol and I pastored was 127. And, and the church that we uh, f uh, went to was a very conservative, very liturgical church. I'll talk about that in my message. And um, uh, there was 36 people there the first Sunday that we came and candidated what they call candidated, which means preach to get a job. And, uh, and then they accepted us, and we were there 27 years by grace, we saw God do what he's done with this fellowship, and that's grow it. And, uh, you know, we come in and sowed and did the work, but he's the one that caused the increase. I never understand why the increase happened, because he's the one that caused the increase. And so we give him the glory for that. And then um, God took me and Carol out of that church. It was our home. It would be like if your pastor was asked to leave this church today. It was very difficult because you really, if, if you're a pastor's pastor and a pastor's heart, then as pastors, uh, you, you don't give up a church that easily. You know, it's not like a job. It's never become a job. It's part of who you are. And, and so I wanted you to have the context, a little bit of where, where our history is. And so for 15 years, uh, uh, we, I, I actually, for 10 of those last 15 years, I worked part-time at Elam Fellowship, which is a movement that has missionaries all around the world, as well as churches and pastors. We have around 890 leaders right now that we relate to. And, uh, and so, as I mentioned earlier, we, we actually don't even feel like we have a home church because we're never at church. We're the worst church attenders to our own church. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we do belong to Elam Gospel Church in Lima, but uh, the pastor and I connect, but he understands that our ministry is to, to do things just like we're doing this morning. And for the last, uh, well, since February, as you probably know, our, our church has been in our living room, just like many of you have had the experience. And so we've watched churches, and it's been a really cool experience for us. As I was thinking about the word uh, today, um, you know, I, I just felt like uh, I, I wanted to s set this word in, in, in motion by giving you a little bit of some of our experience. And um, the title of my word is, is kind of, I couldn't decide really, to be honest with you, so I'm going to call it two things. Number one, breaking the cycle breaking the cycle. I felt like the Lord spoke to me as we were preparing to come here to, to do two things this morning, and that is, number one, go in and speak about the cycles that we find ourselves in and needing to break that cycle. And the other thing is, 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 is kind of on the end of that, and that is, and this was my second title of my message, first time I've ever had two titles, um, and uh, you're just a, a incredible people, it takes two titles, and, uh, and that is to reset in other words, in order for the cycle to be broken, there must be a resetting, if you will. Um, Carol and I were we, part of us. We have like, I think, 12 to 13 churches in New York City, in all the boroughs, in Bronx, in the Bronx, and in uh, Manhattan, all throughout, you know, the, the five boroughs of New York City. So at least six or seven times a year, we drive down to a place called Queens, New York, Astoria. And the way to get there is, my, you know, I know how to get there. My car knows how to get there without me driving it. You know what I mean? I've been there many times. And, but, but this one time we were driving to get to Astoria. Normally we go across the George Washington Bridge. But this one time, uh, Carol and I were talking and we decided let's go 
through the Lincoln Tunnel. So we programmed our GPS uh, in the car and, and said, let's go through the Lincoln Tunnel. The only problem is, is when you go into the Lincoln Tunnel, there's three lanes with like these markers between each lane. So once you're in the tunnel, you cannot change lanes. Um, you can see the markers, but you don't want to mess your car up by running over them, right? And so we're in, we're in the wrong lane. We didn't find that out. And the other thing I didn't realize is the GPS didn't work in the tunnel, right? So I'm sitting here thinking, oh, I wish I had looked ahead to see where I'm supposed to go. I actually have a really amazing sense of direction. So if I'm driving, I knew when I came out of the tunnel that I needed to be over there in Queens. I knew, I, I knew where Queens was, right? And, but when I came out of the tunnel, because I couldn't change and because the GPS wasn't working, all of a sudden I came out and it took me right into Times Square. Now you've seen Times Square, if you've never been there, you've seen it at least on TV. Times Square is packed with people, right? And so I'm, I'm, no, I'm in Times Square, but then I, then I found out something else. The GPS doesn't work in Times Square because of the high-rise buildings. It actually shuts off the satellite. So now I am aware of where I've gotta go. I know exactly where I need to be. I could tell you how to get there, but I can't get there because every street is a one-way street. And I found before long that I was going in circles. I found myself going round and round. I, I've seen that toy store four times, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh my goodness, I have no idea how I'm gonna get through this. And, and then I said, I know if I go down this road, I'll at least be able, and then all of a sudden that road is blocked. You know what I mean? And, and, and I, I'm not kidding you, it would have been about probably a 30 to 40 minute drive took me two and a half hours because I was just going round and round in circles. We pulled into Nysom parking lot in, in Astoria, Queens, and I felt like the Lord dropped this word in my heart that I've preached in several churches, but I really felt that I wanted to bring it here today because I don't know how this has affected you. I know in Penyam, in South Butler, it's not as bad as Rochester, New York, or other places, but I do know this. It's at least tugged at your heart and in some ways you've been on pause. And you've been thinking, it's probably I've been thinking, some of you, uh, you know, we, we're in a farming community like you, so we, we, we can do life without the world knowing it. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, something in the air was still on pause, I feel. And I feel like, you know, we were stuck. We were stuck for the last 14 weeks. But God is wanting now as we come out of that, quote, pause period, as you've been already out of it for some season, to consider what is needing to be unwrapped. What, what, what's different? At Elam Fellowship, where I'm now the leader, we've been saying that. Is there something we've learned in this pause period that we need to start doing and reset? Is there something that needs to be like we were stuck in a cycle and, and, and in the professional world, they say, in business, you, you need to break the curve. Otherwise, you're going to go right back down around. And, and, and as I'm sitting in that parking lot, in Nyson's parking lot, this is what the Lord said to me. Go to the churches and tell them that they've been circling long enough and they need to break cycles. And that's what I want to talk to you about. This morning, if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, I'm going to preach out of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter two, Deuteronomy chapter two. And in Deuteronomy chapter two, what we have 
is, uh, is, is, uh, is a guy, 120 uh, 20 years old now, Moses, has is, is been with people, and for 40 of those years, he's been circling. Actually, 38 years by the time you get to chapter 2 of Deuteronomy. 38 years been going around a mountain, going around a mountain. At the beginning of Deuteronomy, you find out the distance from where they left Egypt to the promised land is 11 days. It says it right in the Bible. I didn't make that up. Preachers all the time say it was six days, five days. It's 11 days. It says it right there. And so an 11 days journey normally, they're in it 38 years. And they've been going round and round and round and round. I believe God spoke this to me as I was preparing this. I, I wrote this this morning, early, early this morning. I feel it possibly in this place, there's possibly cycles in this place that need to be broken in your marriages. Cycles that you see in your children that need to be broken and we need to stand in the gap for them. Situations in our lives, family dysfunctions, mediocre living, powerless ministry, negativity. Have you ever met anybody that's negative all the time? I was in a store recently buying Carol some flowers, and, uh, and the lady was angry. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to come into your store. You know what I mean? It made me feel like and, you know, I knew that God was possibly going to use me to bless her, but it didn't work. But moving on. And, and, but there was this cycle. Uh, there's some people that just say, you can say, isn't the moon beautiful tonight? Haven't seen it. You know what I mean? Everybody, there's people that can just stay negative. And, uh, and, and another thing I've seen is people in chronic failure. It seems like they, they, get, they get good at something and all of a sudden they're failing at something else again. It's like a cycle of failure, which is not the same as failure. It's just like you constantly live in a life that's not God's best. And you could get there. You could get there. I, I, I believe uh, breaking cycles. Let, let me tell you what I mean by breaking cycles. It's chronic or consistent behavior that is inconsistent with God's intention for your lives. I'll say that again. Chronic or consistent behavior that's inconsistent with God's intention. I know God's intention of where he wants me to be, but I'm in chronic, consistent behavior that keeps me from getting to Queens, New York. Are you with me? To get where he's called me to be. Many of us are continually moving and mistaking activity for progress. I'll say that again. Many of us are busy. We're on a treadmill going nowhere in our lives. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to. This is the first time I'm here. But I know this much. I have a sense in this room today that there's some people that are in cycles. And God wants to break the cycles. He wants to break the cycles. I, I, I didn't feel it about the church as a whole, but let, let the leadership determine that. But, but as individuals, what do we need to look at in our lives? Let me read the first... Uh, Actually, um, let, me, let me read the first seven verses of Deuteronomy chapter 2. Here we go. I'm going to read from the New King Jimmy, New King James, okay? And here we go. We turned and journeyed to the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me. And we, it says in my Bible the word skirted, which means circled, okay? We circled Mount Seir for many days. And the Lord spoke to me and said this, 
you have skirted or circled this mountain long enough, turn northward. And, and command the people saying, you're about to pass through the territory of your brethren, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. Therefore, watch out for yourselves. Now, I'm going to come back to this verse in a minute to talk about this, but let me read verse 5 and to 7. Do not meddle. Say that with me. Come on. Do not meddle. We'll come back to that. Do not meddle with them, for I will not give any of their land, not so much as one footstep, because I've given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. Don't mess with what doesn't God. Too many people are going after something that God never gave them. Hello? Only go after what God gives you. You can go after with your gifts and talents something that God didn't want you to have and do well, but there's no anointing on it. Just a thought, okay? Didn't plan on saying that. That might be for somebody. You shall buy food from them with money that you may eat, and you shall also buy water from them with money that you may drink. Here's the last verse I'll read. For the Lord God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. He knows about your cycle. He knows about it. He's with you, it says, the next, next part of that verse. He says, these 40 years the Lord God has been with you and you've lacked nothing. Even in the midst of our cycles in our lives, God's still with us. And even in the midst of walking sometimes, not in the fullness of all God's intention for us, he's still with us and he still blesses us in that. We've got to understand that. But God is saying to you today, reset. It's time to break cycles. In these passages, I see three different steps, three different actions, three different things to consider that I want to just get very personal with you today. Because as I started looking at this, I said, this church doesn't know me. Let me tell them a little bit about who I was and who I want to be, okay? Here we go. But it's going to be very personal. I'm not going to talk to you about my role as a president. I'm not the president of America. Just get that right. Okay. As the president of Elam, I'm talking about my, you know, I just want to give you some history of who the journey that God to, took me through to break something in me. Are you with me? Number one, if you want to break cycles, identify your defeating circumstance. Another way I would say this is identify the mountain you've been circling. He says to them right in this passage, he says, I read it to you, it says, the Lord spoke to me saying, you have skirted this mountain long enough. You have skirted, circled this mountain long enough. I believe today, some, some of the, this is just something I wrote this morning. The three things that I see going on in the church, I don't, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about Big C Church, right? People out there that we get to visit. Is three things today. Unforgiveness, number one thing. If I did an altar call in most churches, Carol and I, and talked about unforgiveness in people's hearts, the altar is full. People who have been forgiven by God sometimes don't forgive quick, quickly. Are you with me? That's one of the things I think needs to be breaking. Cycles of unforgiveness. Another thing, religious spirits. By that, I mean people who've got man-made rules from God's Bible that he never intended to have become a rule. Hello? Living in rigidness that God meant you live in freedom. 
That's another thing I see. And then another thing I see constantly is family dysfunction. One of the biggest things I will tell you that's a big burden for me, maybe it's because of my role, is I am burdened today of the disunity that's between churches. Maybe that's because I'm ministering to churches. But you, you just can't post anything on Facebook without 40 people t- telling you how awful you are for your opinion. Maybe we should just stop posting and just have a conversation. <laughs> Amen? Uh, I don't post that much, so that's easier for me. But anyway, when Carol came to, when we, when we came to our church, it would be now 30 years, 32 years ago, when we came to our church, Carol and I met at the Bible College up there in Lima, Elam Bridal Institute, okay? And, uh, and we met there, and while we were there, uh, Carol already had a call. What you got to witness this morning was already in Carol. You know, I had gotten saved a little earlier than her. We were born the same day, Christmas Day, 1969. Christmas Carol. Chris Carol. Got it? Right? So, so we were born the same day, five hours apart, and, uh, and she's 29 and I'm 60. Moving on. All right. And, uh, and, and Carol would prophesy. She leads worship. She preaches. She was called to all that before I came into her life, okay? Just need to know that for my illustration. Uh, you know, we, we loved each other. We cared each other. We went to this church where they didn't do those kinds of things. We went to this little church where they lit candles, walked down the aisle, lit the candles. We, and we went there to love those people. Because all I cared about was preaching and being a leader of people. Because I'm a people person, right? And Carol and I went. We got married, you know. And a year later, we, we went to that little town. And we loved those people where they were at. But then one day, God started, because uh, they had an organ, no drums, no guitar, no nothing else, just an organ in the church. But Carol and I convinced them that she might be able to lead worship, so she started leading worship. Now, I'm going to emphasize this. It will become humorous, or you'll be praying for her, one or the other. I can't tell you which way you'll react, but it just was the way it was back then. And that was... She would get up there, and she would start leading worship, and we're singing, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord, remember those old oldie but goodies songs, right? We're singing that 25 times through. I'm like, Carol, can you just do it four times? Who in the world told you to sing it that many more times? Every worship leader we have that kind of problem with. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, and Carol was like leading, like, and, and then we might sing another one. What a mighty God we serve. You know? and, and, and I'm like, come on, let's get this on. I got to preach. People are saved by the word, not by your worship. Let's move on. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 uh, and then... She had the gall one day to prophesy. I said, we're done. The church is going to kick us out now. She's prophesying just like she gave you guys a word. She, she started doing that. And I'm like, and, and, you know, I would go home after I preached, of course, thinking that was a wonderful service. But from the drive, well, actually, from the walk to the, ch- from the church to our house, we had intense fellowship. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm complaining about how long and how many times she sang the song. And I'm, and I'm quoting the Bible, submit. That didn't help at all. 
You know what I'm saying? And it, it was intense, man. I'm telling you, it was intense. And so finally, we couldn't fix our problem because we helped everybody else, but we couldn't help each other, right? So we submitted to the elders, the leaders of our church. They agreed with Carol. So that I'll never go to them for counseling ever again. You know, that, that just turned that one off for me. I'm telling you right now, we continued to fight. The church is growing. And we're in this cycle week after week where, you know, it's not fair. And by the way, the whole time I'm asking her, how did I preach today? Glory, glory to me. I mean, God. I mean, God. Right? Finally, we went to counseling. And to make a longer story much shorter, after several sessions of counseling, it was very clear that I knew the counselor was going to agree with me. And that day, that beautiful, glorious day, when she looked right in my, to me, straight in my eyes, and she said, Chris, you're trying to be the Holy Spirit for Carol. And I look over there, and she's crying, which isn't fair. That was supposed to be funny, but apparently you took it way <laughs> too serious. And I'm, and I'm dying inside. And I'm like, i got to be a better husband about this. She does have the Holy Spirit, and she does have gifts and callings and different things than what I have. And I need to quit having this competitiveness in me. Uh, and, and God was dealing with a cycle in my life, and the mountain was control. Control. You can't fix or break your cycle unless you know what the mountain is. And in our case, we couldn't, I went to elders. They didn't know it. They just were sympathetic to her. It took somebody on the outside, because we made the decision, if we're going to go to counseling, we're going to listen to them, no matter what they say. And I'm telling you, I went into that meeting thinking they were going to side with me, the man of God, faith and power. And they said, you are controlling her and trying to be she, she had to throw religious words into it. The Holy Spirit for Carol. It got to me. It touched me. It dealt with me. And I started to change. See, the first thing we have to do is we have to identify the mountain. If you find yourself right now in a cycle of financial problems, it just seems like you never get out of it. What's the, what's the mountain? If you find yourself right now in a constant lack of faith or fear, you, you fill in your blank because God is wanting to speak to you beyond what I'm saying today. What is the mountain? Number two, the second thing you have to do is this. So the first one is identify your defeating circumstance, the mountain. Number two is receive new direction. Receive new direction. It says this, I read verse uh, 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 3 to you, it says, you have circled this mountain long enough. The last part of that gives new direction. It says this, just, just these words. It says, turn northward. Another version says, go north. Turn north. A new direction from God. The Lord is speaking in this, not, not Moses. God is speaking. Those are the words, you have circled this mountain long enough talking to him. Next he says, go north. I don't know which direction they were going. 
I didn't study it enough to figure it out. Maybe it was east, west, south. But either way, this time, go north. Change your direction. Carol and I were in this church that we talked about. And I know, I know some of you have backgrounds that are conservative. I know some of this is in this place. We went into a church that was very conservative. You've got to get this. Conservative in religious moments, liberal in theology is what we walked into, this particular denomination. I was a Southern Baptist, born-again Southern Baptist boy for years before I came to Elam. Carol, she got filled with the Holy Spirit, oh, uh, I think the evening of the day she got saved or something like that, the week after or something like that. And so when we came together, you had Mr. Conservative Bible, you know, Mr. Bible Man and Holy Ghost Woman. Imagine that marriage, okay? You already gave you a little preview of that. So we went into that church with, with you know, we loved each other, we cared about each other, but we knew that God had a direction for that church, but we were stuck. Now I'm going to talk about the church, not us. We were stuck, and, and we had some amazing leaders in that church, men of God that took us when we were wet behind the ears and just didn't have a clue, right? And we were there. But we, we got to about seven years. Actually, I looked it up today in my, my journaling, which I don't journal. I just found some notes on it. It was 2007. We got there uh, the year after we were married, 1988. 2007, so nine years, we lived with a lot of restriction, a lot of rules, a lot of things that we couldn't break through, right? We were in a cycle, right? And when we got into that position, one day a prophet came to us. A prophet came into our church. Now, the night before the prophet came, Carol and I were talking that night, and I had just had enough. The theme for Elon this year is it's time. And there's times in our lives when it's just time. And one of the time, ways you know that it's time is because you've had enough. It's like a tipping point. And we were just saying, I'm not sure we're the leaders that this church needs if the eldership and leadership want to continue to go what they want to do when we see God seemingly leading us to go this direction, right? This prophet came in the next day. I had never met him. A friend of mine said, hey, could you let this prophet come and speak at your church on Sunday? He was not planned. Nothing happened. And he got up, and Carol will tell you, uh, you know, I know most of you are praying for her and like her more than me now, but that's all right. And, and she, she, she was over here and, and praying. And watch this. That prophet, you would have thought he was in our bedroom the night before because everything that came out in his sermon was confirming what we had talked about the night before blew us away. And that was a tipping point to reset. And I got up afterwards and thanked him and said, I said what I just told you. I said, last night, Carol and I were talking and we got to go a new direction. And then I said this. I can't believe I said this. It was one of those statements that after you say it, you go home and you go, why did I say that? But I said, we are convinced that we must go a different direction. And if we don't, if we don't change, you need a new pastor. You don't say that to people who pay your wage. You know what I'm saying? But I had enough. 
I'd had enough. I'd heard a word from the Lord, go north. You've been trying to go this way. Go north. Faith comes from hearing the word of the Lord. I could no longer move in faith. I'd had a word from T.D. Jakes, but it wasn't putting faith into me. I had a word from this other church growth movement, but it wasn't doing faith. God had been speaking to me a word. Be careful not to get your word from a famous preacher, but get it directly from God because it's God's word that increases faith in our lives. Amen? Establishes faith in our lives. And he had spoken to us the night before, confirmed it by a prophet. I'd like to be able to say you the next day it changed real quickly. It didn't change quickly, but something happened in the heavenlies when I said, I'm going to agree with your voice to go north. Something happened. Something shifted on earth. And I said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I won't force it. You make it happen. And sure enough, man, before long, the leadership of that church began to release their position. We got new position. And our church went from, uh, that was nine years. What did I say nine years? From nine years, at that point, we had grown to 100. The next four years, 200, 300, 400, 500. Just from that shift. Crazy. Crazy. What is happening in your life right now that's a cycle that needs to be broken, that's keeping God's growth pattern to be alive in you. Number one, help me. Identify your mountain. Say it, come on. Identify your mountain. Number two, take a new direction or seek a new direction. Say that. Take a new direction. Come on, say it again. Take a new direction. Listen for God's voice to give you a new direction. The last one, and I'm done. Embrace the new demand. Embrace the new demand. Remember that verse I had you quote, verse 5, it says, do not meddle. Do not meddle. Do not meddle. After he told them to go north, now all of a sudden they're going to a new mountain, the Mount Seir, or at least a new territory. He said, when you go into that territory, don't meddle with that territory. God is beginning to give him new direction, new demands. For 38 years, they haven't had to work for food. It came for free. For 38 years, they got water from rocks and all kinds of things without having to work for it. But he said, if you want water in the new system, in the new direction, you got to work for it. In fact, I'm not even going to give you the land, but if you want to eat, you got to work for it. It's a new day. See, when God gives you a new directive, there's a new demand. And what I find very often in the church, in my life, is I, don't, I like to hear a word from the Lord. Hallelujah, I got a word from the Lord. He's going to do more than you can imagine to think. I love that word. It's amazing, right? But now comes a new demand. Because the old demand kept you in a cycle. But the new demand is for the new word, the new word of the Lord. And God is saying, now I've given you the direction, embrace the rules or the criteria or the circumstances. You can't go just grab food. You got to work for it.
You can't just go get water. If you want a drink, you got to pay for it. New demand. Let me take you back to our counseling appointment. Now I'm going to get real personal. You thought I was personal already. So we were sitting in that counselor's office, and Carol's crying, I'm crying, and the counselor looks at me. And you can cry in a counselor's office, but now the question is, is she going to give us an assignment, the counselor? Is she going to give us an assignment? And she looked to me, and she asked me this question. It's just like God to do this. This was a spirit-filled counselor who gave us counsel. And she said to me, she looked at me, and she said, Chris, I want to have you answer a question for me. My mother passed away 12 years ago yesterday. I deeply loved my mother. I cared about my mother. But there was areas in my relationship with my mother where we clashed. And she said to me, Chris, what is the thing that you least, or least liked or got most frustrated with about your mother? I'm like, leave my mother out of it. It's her. You know what I'm saying? But she said, no, I really want you to think about that and answer that question. And it's just what she said. What is the thing about you that frustrated you most about your mother? Now, this was in a counseling appointment, and now I'm letting everybody in on that appointment, right? And this is what I said. My mother had a lot of opinions. But what I didn't like is that when I didn't, listened to those opinions and began to have my own, she made me feel terrible. She made me feel condemned. She made me feel, Ugh. She said, that's what you're doing to Carol. Oh my goodness. All of a sudden, I realized how much I'd hurt Carol. And then she gave me the demand of the new word, to stop the cycle of my controlling her. This was the, this was the demand. Ladies, and you're gonna love this, men, you're gonna be mad at me at the end of this. She said, what I'd like for you to do is not give your opinion unless Carol asks for it. Come again? I have a sense that you give your opinion a lot. And your wife is being beat up by your opinion. Do not give your opinion unless Carol asks for it. Do you know that Carol went 24 hours without asking my opinion? <laughs> Do you know that she went one week without asking my opinion? Do you know that she went three months? And then that glorious day came when she asked my opinion. And I shared my opinion, and she didn't take it. <laughs> I never give my opinion. It broke something in me to pastors, to leaders. The day we were here, as the pastors were here, oh, I wanted to share my opinion. But it wasn't until you said, do you have any suggestions that we started to share? I've learned to break a cycle, not only that injured us, but would have injured the people I tried to lead. Are you hearing me? Because God wanted me to embrace the demand. It's one thing to get the word. It's another thing to embrace the demand. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would.
I really, I really feel that I got an assignment to bring this word today. Okay? It's not the first time I've ever preached it. I just want to be honest about that. Though I did write it all over again today and tailor it for you. And um, I just want you to know that I love this church. I told Carol, I leaned over to Carol. I said, we have a friend, his name is Ian. I won't tell you much about him. But I said, Ian would love this church. And she goes, I love this church. That's what she said, right? And uh, you have an amazing congregation and church and an amazing, hey, amazing pastor, amen. Listen, I know he doesn't care, but I care. That sounded like a golf clap. These two lay their lives down and will be held accountable for everything that happens in your lives until God moves them on. You have an amazing pastor and his wife. Amen? Right? Come on. All right, good. I'm glad I got that over with. You got to embrace the demand. Close your eyes for just a minute. I just want you to focus. Carol and I are going to go over to the corner here and pray, and I don't know what you do to create the atmosphere for this but basically here's what I want to do I have a sense that this word could have applied to almost everybody in some area of their life that wasn't my goal my goal today was this is to tap on the shoulder of somebody's life today who is stuck on a treadmill stuck on a treadmill in fact the way I would describe it is remember the guy in the bible that was paralyzed and he had four friends and the four friends had to lift him up because he was paralyzed, couldn't get to Jesus. Sometimes circumstances in our life, we were paralyzed. We could not break the cycle of our marriage conflict. Are you hearing me? We couldn't break it. But God gave us a word, and we embraced the demand. But we were paralyzed. We needed a counselor. Some of you may need to get counsel from your pastor and others just to identify the mountain. First, go to the Holy Spirit. He's a good teacher. But we needed a counselor who was spirit-filled. But some of you in this room, not everybody, it's not everybody. Don't run up here just because you, some of you are paralyzed with your cycle. And I'd like to have Carol and I have an opportunity to pray for you. And that's how I'm, I'm done with that. But I'm going to pray for everyone. But then if the prayer I pray, you, you need another touch, if you will, another person to stand with you and say, we're just stuck. We don't even need to know what it is. We'll pray for you. And I, I'm t- and I just turn it back over to your pastor. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you. Oh, by the way, let me interrupt my prayer. You're going to love Ron Burgio tonight. He's one of my best friends. He's good. I wish I could stay. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your amazing spirit in this house. And I ask you, God, to come and do a little work right now on that individual, that young man, that young woman, that married couple, on that older gentleman. I ask you to break the cycle. It's time to reset. It's time to reset. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Carol and I are going to go there. Pastor, I leave it to however you want to close.
kids are going to come rolling back in here in a five, five to ten minutes. Let's do business with God. We all have cycles, some, myself included. I'm standing here. I'm thinking through my cycles. If you want to be seated, if you want to kneel in your chair, you can. This area over here is perfect. There's no, no speakers going to be blaring in your ear. If you like prayer from someone from the outside who doesn't know you, I'd like you to go over there now and let them minister to you. Just go ahead, and while you're standing, while you're waiting for someone else to be prayed for, just talk it over to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. I want you to minister to me. It's a wonderful opportunity to do that. The rest of us, let's pray. Can we do that? you felt Jesus encouraging you today in some way, why don't you thank him? Say, Lord, thank you for getting through to me. Thank you for speaking to me. I needed to hear from you. I needed to hear from you. something I do quite often. I'll call it sowing in prayer, and I'll ask Jesus a question or tell him my dilemma, and then I ask him to solve it, and I leave it with him, and it's never failed. I can't tell you one time he hasn't failed. He, he hasn't. He, uh, he always comes through. He's never failed. He always comes through. If I give him time, and he chooses a time, and it might come through a book or a speaker or a prophetic word, or he may just speak something to my own heart, but he never fails to answer my questions. What would you ask Jesus today about your own life, your own circumstance? Why don't you ask him a question? Say, Lord, how do I deal with this? How do I get out of this? How do I change this? Speak to me. Speak to me. And leave it with him. Leave it with him. times in this whole COVID thing, we've heard the word reset. I've said it several times. Other people have said it. There's a book called Reset by Bob Sorge. People have been reading that. I think it's a key word for us, for us as a people. Lord, we can't reset ourselves. We know you're not asking us to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We're asking for the powerful Holy Spirit to do something new in our lives. Speak to us. 
Give us fresh direction. Change us, oh God. Only you can do this, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, the kids are going to be coming in here in just a few minutes. If you want to stand, you can fellowship in the cafe, in the entrance. It's a bright, sunny day. You can go out there. And we're just going to let people be prayed for up here for a while, so we're not going to rush that. God bless you. If you can come back at 5 o'clock tonight, we'd love to see you again and uh, see what else God is going to be speaking to us as a church. And so, all right, God bless you.